Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Oh, I'm so thankful that you are away. Yes. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so thankful that you weren't here. It was awesome. That... So was I, by the way. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, of course you would have been. You would have Absolutely. had a fantastic weekend. Oh, we, we had an amazing weekend. It was uh, family get-together, family reunion. Mm. And so family from Queensland, family from here, family from America. We all got together, had the weekend. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah. How, how did it go with the weather and whatnot? It rained the whole time. Oh, wow. Awesome. It never stopped. Well, it stopped raining for about five minutes. And so what did you spend time doing? Well, we, I'm on Sabbath. We went to church. Uh, uh-huh. had an amazing worship service with uh, an indigenous group that was uh, getting together. They were having their regional wow. um, up at uh, Stewart's Point there. And so we worshiped with them on Sabbath. We played board games and card games and socialized and did all of the rainy day kind of stuff, you know, that you do. And, of course, our family is a family that likes to get together and do mm-hmm. that kind of thing. We had some friends over on Friday evening, mm. um, had worship together. It was just fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. And now you back oh, feeling we went, refreshed. Uh, we went full driving. We oh, got stuck. Okay. Okay. Oh, yes. Uh, like for like epically stuck. <laughs> but you're alive. Because it was muddy and wet. But we're alive and that's what matters. Awesome. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Here on The Breakfast Show, as we get into positively different news, before we do so, we always start with a quiz. Lawson always brings us the question. So, Lawson, bring us the first question for the quiz. All right, for 100 points, who climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus as he entered Jericho? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. Again, that question was, who climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus as he entered Jericho? If you know the answer, you can win the 100-point prize which is a faith fm bookmark and bumper sticker and you get those points on the board and work your way through the quiz but again that number is 0491-064-669 fantastic we've got a text message coming through saying uh the presentation of the end the the end dot digital was excellent very appropriate for these last days can't wait till the next one Praise God. So that, of course, is available on uh, YouTube, on the N.Digital website, on Facebook, wherever you would like to find it. Uh, those three presentations on wars and rumours of wars, I'm going to sort of continue that theme a little bit today in our news section. Well, it's our world's thing. Yeah, that's right. And that's the tragedy of the time in which we live. But, Lawson, let's get into some positively different news first. Okay, positively different news. Guys, are you chasing the bag? Are you trying to get paid? Are you are you working? Are you working a job? And do you want to keep working a job? Nah, so I read some news this morning. Uh, I read I read this article that was essentially uh, outlining that in the US, uh, currently nine percent of all employment falls under the category of green. So you're doing something that is um, environmentally friendly or adjacent to that industry. Um, that's not that that equals. So it's six percent of the total workforce that equals nine million workers, uh, and that has increased dramatically over the last however many years because it's like 50 years or whatever that's been a category of the workforce because 
previously we didn't have anything that you would consider green green energy um but like coinciding with this so the, the green economy is getting big and uh, bigger and bigger and bigger and it's growing and they say like over the next 10 years it'll grow by from nine percent to 14 percent and there'll be like 24 million workers in that space um but uh coinciding with that amazon who is the second biggest employer in the united states followed you know uh, uh only following like walmart um they have now joined a u.s government initiative called bottle uh which stands for bio-optimized technologies to keep thermoplastics out of landfill and the environment and cool. so so it's the u.s government it's mit and it's amazon and they're all getting together to come up with technology to you know do upcycling and chemical upcycling and keeping plastics out of landfill so they don't go in the ocean and they don't pollute our land and all these kinds of things. You know, how can we break down and get rid of plastics? Even our vegetation is full of plastics these days, microplastics that get sucked up into the vegetation. Those microplastics, you know, are so small, they go up through the capillaries in the water system and you eat them in your vegetables. Yep, and this is something that we've talked about on the show before, that not only can it affect your life expectancy, not only can it affect... Um, <laughs> your like it can bring your masculinity. Masculinity, that's right. You have a lesser chance of having children because of the microplastics that exists uh, in 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 the world and in our food. So yeah, uh, it, it seems as though the biggest companies in the United States are partnering with the U.S. government and the fastest, gr- and, and that's all led to this uh, circumstance in which the fastest growing industry. Um, is green jobs. So, guys, because I, I think this is particularly interesting because I think the catch cry against green energy in the past has been like, oh, it's going to kill the jobs. You know, what about, especially here in Australia, where we're like, oh, what about the mining? What, you know, what about the coal mines? What about this, that, the other? Uh, because they are definitely, you know, they're the center of our economy. But it seems as though uh, that landscape is changing in the United States. So it could possibly change here in australia so this is definitely like like i said at the beginning look if you're if you're chasing the bag if you're out here looking for a job if you're if you're a young person and you are you know considering what you're studying i have a friend who is currently studying renewable resources um and he's kind of like a uh i wouldn't say a completely an early adopter but he's he's in quite a large class uh but he's in a class full of people who are going into an industry that is rapidly increasing and expanding and so for him he's he's looking at as soon as he finishes his degree like there are already companies who are kind of coming to the uni space looking for candidates for jobs and everything because this is this is these are the people who they want they want uh engineers in this space uh they want all kinds of people so guys if you're chasing the back if you're trying to get paid go for it um in other news if you live near a leafy green area your risk of stroke is is decreased by 16 percent Oh really? Just by living near a leafy yep. green area, this is this is I, I, this is an amazing story. I can tell right now. Yeah, and so the, the interesting. In thing- other words, in other words, let me jump in. Let me get excited uh, okay, about okay, this. Okay. In other words, if you live in a vertical filing cabinet, and uh-huh. I feel so sorry for uh, all those who live in apartments without you, that don't have a choice, you know, for economic reasons and so forth. But if you've got a choice and you live in a in a vertical filing cabinet, then once again, I mean, this is something I go on and on and on about. We were created as human beings to live in the country. Mm-hmm. 
This research in particular was done in uh, a region of Spain called Catalonia, which is where, you know, the, the Catalan region where you have uh, Barcelona and whatnot. And so it took a, an interest. It, it surveyed like uh, it surveyed and went over like and studied like three and a half million people mm-hmm. in that That's area, which is a very decent sized study. Um, and they looked at people inside Barcelona and outside Barcelona. If you've never been to Barcelona, Barcelona is a beautiful city, uh, on the river and, uh, sorry, not on the river by the sea, I should say. And, uh, not, yeah. So it's not even like, like it is like a big, huge city, but it's like, hmm, I would say it's probably one of the most green big cities that I've ever seen. Uh, but nonetheless, they did this study and they found that the research shows that people who live less than 300 meters away. So, so you don't even need to live in a leafy green area. You need to live 300 meters away and your risk of stroke is lower by 16%. And how they saw this specifically in the city, uh, was that they, you know, throughout Barcelona, they have little squares and little parks and whatnot that are filled with trees. And, and so you've got kind of like buildings and then you've got like, you've got like little central parks kind of everywhere. In, in, in Barcelona, that's how they've kind of built the city. You've got these little leafy green areas. And if you lived close to one of those areas, your risk of stroke was automatically lowered. Now, this is because um, for every 10 micrograms per cubic meter of nitro dioxide in the air, uh, the risk increases by 4%. And every extra microgram of soot in the air raises the risk by 5%. So both, you know, both of these are linked with like car traffic and just, you know, being, being within a small, uh, sorry, a big, but like dense city where there's lots of motor vehicles and whatnot. And you don't have trees eating all that carbon dioxide. Uh, but then as soon as they kind of moved their research outside of the city of Barcelona, which is already pretty well ventilated and has plenty of trees in it as a city, as soon as, soon as they started um, researching people outside of that area, uh, they found that immediately uh, the risk of stroke dropped dramatically. Yes. So essentially, if you don't want to have a stroke, live in the bush. This is this is something that we've been talking about, you know, as Christians, we've been talking about for the last 150 years, the benefit of living in the country, mm. the benefit of not living in the city. And every time we have one of these stories that comes along and that compares country living with city living, it always says exactly the same mm-hmm. thing. Country living has all of the advantages. I fail to see the advantages of city living. It, why do we do that? We need to, as Christians, be getting out to the country because we will be physically healthier, we mm. will be mentally healthier, and we will be spiritually healthier if we live in the country and surround our, thing, our, 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 our lives by you know, the things that God has created rather than the things that human beings have created. Mm. It's a very simple formula. Totally. I was actually, I was reading about John the Baptist this morning. I don't want to make a, a misapplied, uh, you know, s- uh, scriptural application, but nonetheless, like, he lived in guy the lived in the wilderness and he was close to God. Like, he, that's, that's a fact. like, literally compared to everyone else who, who, he was closer to God than literally everyone else. The greatest else in of the Israel. prophets, the Bible says. Yeah. Greatest of the prophets. He lived in the country. He actually lived in what, in what's called the wilderness. So yeah. that's what we would in Australia call the outback. You go mm. to the outback. It is beautiful out mm. there. It is peaceful. It is quiet. There are birds and creatures and lizards and critters everywhere. It is absolutely amazing place to live. And by living in the outback, he was the only one to recognize that Jesus was the Messiah. <laughs> 
You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. This is The Breakfast Show. We're about to have the 200-point question for our quiz. Lawson, go for it. I'm just looking up how daylight savings works real quick because we were just talking about it in the break. It ends next week. Wait, so, so we go even... We have to be here earlier. Is that the point? We have to be here an hour earlier from next week. The long and the short of it is that my phone will rejig itself and my alarm will go off at the right time. That's all that really matters. Yeah, but then it will be even darker. Oh, it was already dark driving here this morning and I was like, wow, we're really, summer's coming to an end. But for 200 points, here we go. Which one of the following animals were the Israelites forbidden to eat by the Old Testament? Oh, this is a, this is a multiple choice question, guys. Are you ready? So which one was forbidden, forbidden to eat according to the Old Testament? A, antelope. B, Sheep, C, goat, or D, rabbit. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. You can win for 200 points an issue of Science Magazine, or you can answer every single question correct, win every single prize, get your points on the board. 0491-064-669 is the number to call. But again, those options were A, antelope, B, sheep, C, goat, and D, rabbit. Okay, interesting uh, question right there. Of course, all of those to the card, just in case you're wondering. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about some more serious uh, news this morning. And we just did this series on the end up digital called Wars and Rumors of Wars. We looked at what's happening in our world right now. You know, we've just had war break out in Ukraine. This has the potential to bring about World War Three. It has a lot of people on edge. Uh, I'm talking to people within the Australian military and they're saying, you know, we could be uh, in some kind of military conflict with China by the end of the year. There's that possibility. And so it sort of makes you stop and wonder, okay, where are we? I mean, Ukraine is a long way away from here. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't directly affect us at all. And we can watch it on our TV screens and YouTube channels and so forth. And it's sort of like, yeah, okay, that's, that's a long way from here. But how quickly could... Warfare come to Australia. Now, you look at other research and there's other research out there that says, you know, Australia is in the top 10 most least likely countries to ever be invaded. Well, that's the case until it's not. Mm -hmm. And that could change very quickly because we are in the top 10 countries in the world for natural resources. Mm. And so you've got these interesting moves being made by China uh, in recent times and uh, the probably the most interesting one is the uh, draft defence agreement with the Solomon Islands. Oh, wow. Now, the Solomon Islands is just on our doorstep. It's a three-hour flight from Brisbane. Uh, you can be there in a heartbeat. And Australia has had a strong influence, you know, with all of our neighbours, particularly our neighbours that are developing countries historically sure. for a long time. We've done a lot of development in these countries. We've kind of been, you know, seen ourselves as being a big brother to these countries. But what we haven't really been taking notice of in the last 20 or 30 years, how China has ramped up, like dramatically ramped up its investment in these countries. Oh, totally. And in the past, you know, when there's been, you know, a a civil war or something like that, you know, some, 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 some civil conflict taking place, you know, in Fiji or Solomon Islands or wherever, they welcome Australian troops to come over and Australian police force to come over and to quell the rioting, put things you know, back in order and so forth, re-establish the rule of law until the last time this happened and they welcomed Chinese troops. Oh, wow. 
So that's a major, major change. So they're talking about a draft defence agreement with China, whereas that's always existed with Australia in the past. Uh, they're also are looking, China's also looking to do the same thing with PNG. And what happens if China starts expanding in all of these developing countries? Now, what has been happening is that, you know, here in Australia, we send a lot of uh, development money overseas to these countries. And we often complain about it, like, you know, we could be spending that money on all kinds of things here in Australia. Why are we just giving all of these billions of dollars away overseas? Whereas China has been outspending us 20 to 1 in these countries. Mm. And so let's say that you are the Prime Minister of the Papua, New- of Papua New Guinea or the Solomon Islands. Which side are you going to jump? Are you going to stay with tradition and history and stay with Australia or are you going to look for where the real benefits are to your people? Mm. And a lot of them are looking to China and saying, well, you know, in Papua New Guinea, they're, they're saying, well, you know, last year uh, China in one single development in Papua New Guinea spent $200 million. Wow. One single development. And they're saying, well, you know, isn't this better for our country? Okay, so then what happens, what happens to us here in Australia if they, if they sign a defence agreement with China? Well, that means that China can put uh, nuclear weapons on our doorstep within range of all of our major cities, wait, which wait. they currently cannot do. Wait, wait. So if this happens, Australia, we will essentially have a situation. If, if any of these countries sign a defence agreement, wouldn't, wouldn't Australia then be forced to, like, invade? Uh, a military option operation in Papua New Guinea or Solomon Islands? That is... So they and would just... To bring be, about regime change? So that would just be Australia okay, so committing Russia-Ukraine? Yeah, it'd be, it'd be Russia-Ukraine all over again. That's insane. Uh, so that's an option that's available to Australia, which we could possibly do now, mm-hmm. but in a very short space of time, if, the, if an agreement is signed, then we would not be able to do because our military is about 58,000 strong. Uh, Chinese military is about, uh, what is it, 2.7 million strong. Mm-hmm. So once that agreement is signed, that opportunity is over and gone. And those, you know, if they were to, if they were to establish, you know, rockets in, uh, you know, ballistic missiles in those places, they would be too close for us to be able to shoot them down with a missile defense system. Mm -hmm. And they would basically be able to hold a gun to Australia's head. Okay, so a lot of people say, but yeah, we're Australia. We would never invade those countries uh, because we have better options. You know, we can, we can, um, okay, so what are our better options? Let's think about our options right now. Um, can we argue that we can give you better protection than China can? No, we have 58,000 in our military that have 2.7 million. Mm-hmm. Can we argue that we can give them more aid? No, their economy is $25 trillion. Ours is 1.3 and we have a trillion dollars worth of debt. Mm-hmm. Can we argue that we can use sanctions? Well, that's going to do the exact opposite. That would drive them into the hands of China. Mm. Uh, can we argue from a moral position and say, look, the Chinese, you know, these guys are communists. You don't want communists in your country. They are atheistic communists. And they would turn around and they would look at, you know, because, you know, these are countries that have very traditional family values mm. because of the, you know, the strong Christian influence in these countries. And they would say that, you know, well, which, which system is actually more moral? Mm-hmm. Because Australia is morally bankrupt. They would look at, you know, radical gender ideology. They would look at, you know, issues of abortion and so forth. They would even look at LGBT plus issues, which for them 
morally, they're much more closely aligned with, say, Xi Jinping, who outlaws effeminate hairdos for men. Even even going further than that, like rules on gambling, rules on alcohol yes. consumption, like yes. all this stuff. Yes. Hundreds. From a moral perspective, yeah. they're more closely aligned with communist China right now. Would they say, well, we've got really got strong connections with the church in Australia? Well, they don't because the churches in Australia, you know, when they have an LGBT plus affirming policy, are out of sync with the churches in Papua New Guinea. Mm. And they're actually more in sync as far as their family values go with communist China. Mm. So what, what, what do we have left in which we can appeal to these countries and wow. say, no, don't flip over to the uh, Chinese communist side? Mm. On top of that, these are developing countries and developing countries have a long history of being unstable yes. and favouring a communist system yes. that promises to elevate the poor. That is so true. So, you know, we might talk about this and say that's a pretty wild rumour, but I look at that and then I say, wait a minute, I was talking to, you know, some some people in the Australian Armed Forces recently and they said that we could be in military conflict with China by the end of the year and suddenly I'm like, whoa, what do these guys know that I don't know? Mm. And there is definitely... You know, you can see the possibilities right there. And then, you know, you look at, they look across at Australia, which passed a law last year, and this law just arrived at the Senate uh, to allow three parent children. So, this is uh, a bill before the Senate, which is where you can basically take uh, donated mitochondrial DNA if you have mitochondrial disease, and you can put that into a female egg, and um, the baby can then be born, uh, which actually has three pe- DNA from three parents. But you have to create a, a an embryo, a child first, kill that embryo, and extract DNA from it to be able to put into this other embryo, which is effectively embryo harvesting and trafficking. You know, and and the, and the slippery slope goes further and further and further. And it was almost passed unanimously through our parliament. It's an interesting world. You can see how it could. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's hear our 300 point question. What did the two angels do to the men who surrounded Lot's house? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. That's for three hundred points. For three hundred points, you can win yourself a pocket sermon, or you can get those points on the board. Continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, that question was: What did two angels do to the men who surrounded Lot's house? Okay, so we've had uh, Dr. Justin Jackson on the show uh, for the last couple of months uh, as a monthly piece, looking at the creation week and how God created our world. Uh, as a world to provide life and to provide health, and that a lot of that is illustrated in how God went about creating things. Uh, Of course, Dr. Justin Jackson is a Christian. He's an internal medicine and infectious disease specialist. Uh, He's joining us again this morning. Dr. Justin Jackson, welcome to the show. Hello, Dr. Justin. Ah, there we go. Now I can hear you. We couldn't hear you there for a second, but you uh, are with us. Uh, so glad to have you on the show again this morning. I understand this morning that we're going to be talking about um, water. You know, we've talked about fresh air. We've talked about breathing deeply. We've talked about opening our windows and avoiding airborne toxins and the healthy properties of sunshine, strengthening our bones, boosting our immune system, uh, lifting our our mood. I understand we're talking about water today. Is that what where we're heading? That's absolutely right. Yes, as you say, it's truly remarkable that creation teaches us so much about health 
And today we're going to focus on a key life ingredient mentioned both on the second and the third day of creation, and that's water. So water, we're told, was separated above and below the atmosphere on day two, and the lakes and rivers and seas were formed on day three. This is an absolute health gem for life. Yeah, that's amazing. So when you think about, you know, uh, uh, day two where you've got, you know, the waters below, the waters above, so we've got the, the creation of that atmosphere. But then God create, you know, brings, brings land up through the water that is below. That would have been an amazing thing to actually see take place. Oh, it'd be incredible to, to be there and see that, wouldn't it? Now, water is very, very necessary. Um, how long can a person survive without water? Well, on average, about three or four days, depending on the conditions and how much water we're losing through sweat and urine and our breath, water makes up about two-thirds of the human body and the system is extremely finely balanced to maintain the right amount of fluid. If we lose about 2% of our body weight, that's when we become noticeably thirsty and, and start experiencing mild dehydration. So that's about three to four days. What about, say, in a very dry environment, very hot environment like the Australian outback, for instance, um, you know, if somebody was stranded there, how long could they survive without water? Well, um, in, in those sort of conditions, you lose a lot more water through sweat. And so it might even be as, as short as, as half a day. That's incredible because, you know, we often think about food uh, and, and we, we, we get hungry and we eat three times a day and we sort of, you know, or more sometimes, um, we, we don't usually forget to eat. But it's kind of easy at times, you know, when the, when the weather cools off to forget drinking some water. Uh, and yet it seems that you can live longer without food than you can without water. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. And even that mild level of dehydration really affects how we function. So when, when people have studied athletes, they've discovered that just losing that 2% mark of water um, increases their core temperature. It makes them feel more fatigued. Um, their sprint powers lower. And it also damages the, the DNA that we, that we get from the oxidative stress during exercise. But when they've replaced the water during exercise, it, it stops that damage and, and obviously decreases all those symptoms of, of fatigue and, and the ability to function. Yeah, that's amazing. So uh, dehydration you know, obviously impacts our physical performance. Uh, but what about our mental performance? You know, because you know, somebody who's working outside, they're doing a physical job, they're going to get thirsty and they're going to be reaching for a bottle of water. Uh, but what about somebody who's sitting inside in an you know, air-conditioned office? Are they going to have that same desire for water? And is, is the water really going to have an impact on, say, their performance? Well, as we said, the body's about two-thirds water but the brain is actually three quarters of water so water is even more important to support the structure and metabolism of the cells and tissues in the brain as well as moving those essential nutrients in, into your, your brain cells so at that same level 2% of, of body weight loss studies show that we're more likely to experience headaches, our mood will be worse we'll have poorer concentration our reaction times and our short-term memory won't be as good. 
Sounds like uh, employers could do well to provide their employees with water. They, their, their, their productivity might uh, considerably going up. So, you know, we, when we think about that, we've got, you know, a lot of people that suffer from headaches and poor concentration. Um, it might be something as simple as drinking more water? Yes, yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting. We touched on... Um, how long you can survive without water, and it obviously depends on, on the environment and how much exercise and the temperature. But if we're just sort of on average resting, um, we lose about two and a half litres of water a day. So approximately 80% of that water comes from what we drink and the other 20% comes from our food. So a good rule of thumb would be two litres of water per day or eight glasses. We're exercising, as we've talked about, out in the Australian desert or in humid climates, then you can lose much, much more water. Yes, I've been I've been renovating a house for the last couple of years and spent a lot of time working up in the roof, uh, particularly during summer underneath that hot corrugated iron and, uh, you know, up and down the ladder all the time. And I just made a habit of uh, taking a glass of water every time I got to the bottom of the ladder because I needed it up there because it was coming out my sweat pores as fast as it was going in my mouth. Um, so water is the best choice then as far as fluids go because, you know, you say that we can get a certain amount of uh, fluid from what we eat. Um there are other avenues. A lot of people obviously you know, drink a lot of coffee or soft drinks and so forth, particularly in the workplace. Um, are you saying water is the best? Water's definitely the best. I, I sort of chuckle as I think, you know, did, did God fill the lakes with Coca-Cola or the rivers with energy drinks or juice or alcohol? Um, and that was for a, for a really good reason. All of those other beverages are associated with health harm, um, while water has only benefits. I think just coming back to your story about working in the roof, a caveat to that, on a number of occasions I've looked after patients um, in those sort of unique circumstances where they've become seriously ill due to having too much water and not enough salt. Um, I remember well a young lady who'd, who'd run a marathon and just been replacing her fluids with water and her salt levels dropped to critical critical point. So it's important to replace our electrolytes if we're sweating a lot as well. So that's, that's the caveat. Okay. And that's a really important one. If I could just sidetrack on that for a moment, um, I've heard about Himalayan salt in relationship to um, our water intake. Will any kind of salt do the trick? Some people have told me it has to be pink or it's no good. Oh, Yes, I, I think, uh, you know, if you're losing a lot of fluids, then those um, standard sports drinks will, will be fine as a replacement. I, I don't think there's, there's any difference between pink Himalayan salt and other salts. It's in sodium chloride when it comes to, to what we need. Um, again, sort of diverting from our topic a little bit, um, we, we do need the iodine in our, in our salt as well. So, so that's important for our thyroid function and other things. Okay, so that's a really important thought. Thought, and uh, you know, just jumping jumping back into uh, what we were, where we were heading before, um, is it possible to drink too much water? Can you overdose on water? Well, you can, but you have to really try hard. So again, I've I've had patients due to mental instability or other reasons who have managed to drink two liters of water every hour, and 
at those kind of levels, you, you can drop your, your salt levels too low. Um, but yeah, you, as I said, you, you have to really try to do that. I imagine that would be pushing the digestive system pretty hard as well. Um, that's a fair weight of water to be going through. Um, now, we've talked about you know the muscles dehydrating and fatiguing, um, the brain shrinking, stopping thinking, muscles fatiguing. What about the blood? Um, does it shrink as well? Yeah, so the blood, the blood does as well. Um, and that, that has two effects. The first is that it becomes really sluggish and sticky as it flows through the blood vessels, so more like honey than liquid. And as you can imagine, much more prone to clotting in that, in that state. And so one study, for instance, showed that men could halve their risk of having a heart attack by simply increasing their water consumption to more than five glasses per day. Similarly, clots in the, in the veins of the legs can also be um, decreased with um, having enough water. And strokes are also caused by clots. So one study looking at people that had had a stroke, for instance, showed that if they got to that two-litre mark that we've been discussing, those eight glasses of water per day, their chance of having a, another stroke was, was much less. That's fascinating. If I, could, if I could just digress on that one for a moment... Does this have anything to do with why uh, when we do international travel, the air hostesses always tell us to drink water while we're, while we're travelling in flight? Yes, absolutely. So, so they're encouraging you to um, move your calves, do those calf exercises and have water for that exact reason. Fascinating. Okay, so a couple of litres of water a day uh, reduce the risks of clots in the heart, the brain, the legs. Um, that... I would consider this to be pretty powerful medicine. Yeah, look, I, I, I don't think we have drugs that we can prescribe that, that beat it. Um, the pity that we can't take a patent out on water, I think. We'd, we'd <laughs> yes. yes, sell that through the, uh, the pharmaceutical industry. Take a, take a, take, create a water pill, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Uh, but this one's entirely free and one of the easiest ones to access. I mean, you can pretty much go most places and you're going to find some water to drink these days. Um, yeah. Now, you mentioned, you know, that uh, you know God took out a patent on water during the uh, the creation week, and you mentioned a couple of different benefits. Yeah. So look, the second thing I was going to say about blood volume in particular, um, I've been really interested in this. After a few weeks back, I I saw a, a patient who'd had COVID, and then she developed um, a, a, syn a, a syndrome with poor concentration, fatigue, and feeling like she was going to collapse every time she stood up. And so when I was assessing her blood pressure, I got her to lie down and then stand up. I expected it to fall. Um, but actually what happened was her heart rate suddenly in increased when she stood up. Um, and this is a really interesting syndrome known as POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardic syndrome. There are a number of people who, who suffer from this and, and it has a real relationship to water. Okay, so this I'm going to just stick with POTS because that's the acronym for that very long uh, medical term that you just used, and that's one that I can follow there. But um, that would be absolutely terrible to feel like you're going to fall over every time you stand still. And are you telling us that water is going to be a treatment for this? Yeah, water, absolutely. So it's one of the, the key treatments for this, and, and not only to treat it, but... 
but also to prevent it. So when they've looked at um, children and how much water they drink, they found that if they drink less than one litre a day, they're almost four times more likely to develop this syndrome. And we haven't touched on sleep. We will get there with um, one of our other days of creation. But um, again, sleep um, is, is important in this condition as well. So often um, all these things that we're talking about, each of the elements that are buried in the creation week uh, are going to play off each other in, in a mutually beneficial way. Yeah, absolutely. And this is one of the fascinating things about, you know, the way that we have been incredibly created. Just coming back to pots really quickly, um, you talked about water and regular intake of water uh, protecting us from pots. What about if you've already got it? What about if you're already having that sensation of, you know, feeling like you're going to pass out when you stand up? Yes, yes. So um, I I, I read a, a case report just recently where someone came into the office similar to my patient and every time they stood up, they, you know, wobbled and were about to, to fall over. And the doctor simply gave them two glasses of water to drink, one after the other, and it, it just reversed the symptoms instantaneously. Um, now, this won't happen for everyone with POS, but it, water does make a big difference to priming the nerves and, and the hormone system that regulates how tight your blood vessels squeeze, so the tone in your blood vessels, and then it lowers your resting heart rate and improves those symptoms. So a good way to start today. Absolutely. I've just got two real fast questions before we finish off. Um, Water on the outside, is there a role for water on the outside? And what about the role of water in relationship to COVID? Because we all seem to be catching COVID these days. Um, Where do we go there? Yeah, well, the finisher ahead of the game with this one So they've actually showed that with their warm shower followed by sauna, the the Finnish absolutely love a a hot sauna, 80 to 100 degrees. Um, And then what they do is they they hop into cold water um, for 15 minutes following the sauna. And if you do that four times a week, this hot and cold water therapy on the outside, their rates of pneumonia as well as other respiratory infections like like COVID, for instance, uh, are much lower. You and, can and, your rate. And, and, and finally, very quickly with, um, with COVID. Yeah, well, I don't know of any specific data on, on COVID, but if I may share one final anecdote with, with your listeners, I saw the man who had chronic pain. He was just suffering terribly. And in desperation, finally, he plunged himself into 10-degree water, submerged himself right in it, and after just one minute, this therapy um, fixed his pain and it, it never came back. So water can reset your nervous system, boost your immune system, and it's, it's therapeutic both on the inside and on the outside. Dr. Justin Jackson, th- so thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning. This- Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.